Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say vision. Well, I want to give you some vision, but I want to first take you back to 1876. 1876, a man by the name of William Wallace, not the Braveheart guy, but truly his name is William Wallace Breyer, planted the first church in Pleasanton. Now get this, he was coming from a business trip from Livermore, walking. Let me just say that one more time. He was walking from Livermore to Pleasanton. Uh, The railroad, the Pacific Railroad had just been laid. Pleasanton was starting to get established. Think about this. A decade after the Civil War, not a long time ago, but God birthed it in his heart to plant a church in this great city. Can you say an amen? Amen. Come on, you guys got to look alive. It's Vision Sunday. But, But I can relate because I remember when God first called us here. We got to tell the story again. Remember God first called us here, it was, a, it was a Wednesday afternoon, I'll never forget. Now let me give you a little bit of the backstory. My wife and I, we pastored students for about 15 years in San Leandro. We thought we would do that for the rest of our lives. And God started to stir our hearts in a different direction. We originally wanted to, to plant a church in the Tri-Valley out here. We didn't know why, we feel like God put this area in our heart. But in our attempts to do that, we felt like the Lord say, no, I want you to submit to your pastor and don't go until he releases you. Now, people thought we were crazy because he loves us a lot. And our church was growing. Our youth ministry was flourishing. And people were like, he's never going to want to let you go. He's never going to let you go. And opportunities came. Churches came up. Church in Livermore, all these different opportunities. And we just, nope, 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 we're going to wait. We waited almost another five years. And God taught me a lot. God taught me how to submit to authority. God taught me a lot in that space as he was preparing us for this next season. And I'll never forget, we got the call on a Wednesday and it it sounded like this. Hey, bud. And I know that voice. It's a Wednesday. He's preaching. I'm preaching. We normally don't talk on Wednesdays. So I called Jackie right away and I said, they're going to offer us a church. She's like, where? I was like, I don't know. She said, just say yes. I was like, right, what do you mean, just say yes? So I went to his office, sure enough, sat down. He said, Matt, church came up in Pleasanton. And I didn't know. He said, a church came available, and we think you should take it. I was like, well, where's it at? He said, it's in Pleasanton. And we had originally wanted to plant out here, so it was like full circle, like the Lord saying, just trust me. Trust me all the time, like I got you. And uh, bless you. And uh, and so the second thing was, he said, it's, it's, it's Fountain Church, which I had preached here like one time before that. And I knew Pastors Paul and Pastor Sherry. So my first thought was like, are they okay? And he's like, yeah, they're fine. They're fine. They're just transitioning. feel like their, their season has come to end. They want to pass the baton. And, uh, and so you got to understand, we were in a place of great comfort. I was like the third longest person on staff. Jackie and I were on staff together. Uh, our church was growing. It was flourishing. Like it was, it was a great season. And so I, I just remember the, the feeling and the heartbeat. Three weeks later, we were gone. No team, no clear vision, and no salary. Hello, somebody. We had 20, 000, a $20,000 offering that they took before we left, and we had our savings, which was like 
25,000. Spent all of it in the first couple of years, went into debt to plant um, or to restart this church. And it, it, was, it was amazing. Now, let me just say, God did not call us here to save the day. No, no, no. It was just our season to receive the baton. One of the things we always have to make sure, you always honor the past as you move forward into the future. So Pastor Paul, Pastor Sherry, John, Sarah, their whole family will always be a part of our story. And so we, they were here last service. We give them great honor. And we know that we were building on the blood, sweat, prayers, and tears of those who had gone before us. They prepared this incredible building, which is really hard to get building and permits and, and anywhere in the Tri-Valley for a church. So we just knew that it was our season, and I was so grateful they chose to, to ride with us. They, they're still, they still attend our church to this day. We have a great relationship. So I just want to make sure that, you know, the only hero in the story is Jesus. The only hero is him. And so when we came, there was a, a, a woman in our church. Her kids were in our youth ministry, and her daughter was kidnapped 25 years prior. This is 2014. I'll never forget. Uh, we would always go to the place where she was kidnapped. It was in, in Hayward. And we would hold a press conference because we didn't know if she's still alive. And we would tie ribbons. We would pray. And on this particular, on this particular Sunday, we just got here to Fountain. It was just a few months in. And she said, hey, Matt, I want to show you something. She said, want to know? You know I've been through so much pain and heartache. She said, but, but I, I want to show you something. She said, do you see her? Do you see him? Do you see him? She said, those detectives have not stopped looking for my lost daughter for 25 years. I'll be forever grateful for that. And I felt like in that moment, the Holy Spirit struck me and struck her because we both started to cry. And I felt like the Lord said, that's exactly who you're to be as a church. That you will spend the rest of your life on mission to reach my lost kids. And that's what we've been doing ever since. The last nine years, we have just provided a space to help people see, love, and follow Jesus. The great commission and the great commandment to go into the world and make disciples, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And God has done some amazing things on the journey, like incredible things. Lives have changed, so many salvations and rededications, healing, freedom, hope, truth, people coming to the knowledge of the truth. It's been incredible. But the verse that God gave us when we first came, I got it on a plaque. The transitioning pastor preached on it. And none, none of these people knew. And one of our students wrote us a letter and said, this is the word that I believe God gave to me for you. And it was this verse, Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19, piggybacking on 21. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen people, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. This is our promise as a church. This is a word that God has given us to hold on to from generation to generation, that we will pass on the works that God has done from generation to generation. And so, so the context here, though, is Isaiah is saying, listen, the original Exodus did not exhaust God's power, but provided a new pattern of new exodus-like deliverances to come. So when God set his people free from Egypt, these guys are now trapped in Babylon. And Isaiah, speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, no, 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 don't, don't look to the, the past exodus. Like, look to God. Like, God wants to, he wants to do a new thing. 
He wants to bring you home from Babylon through another exodus, away in the wilderness. When it's, there's not a clear path forward, God makes a way. He makes one. Way maker, miracle. That he is a way maker. Rivers in the desert, meaning where there's no natural relief or refreshment, God provides. But then ultimately, this would point to the greatest exodus, the ultimate exodus that would be found in Christ. That both Jew and Gentile, that those that are far from God would be able to be brought close. And can I just tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we are in a, in a new season. And God still delivers his people. God still is pursuing those who are far off. Now, the landscape has changed a little bit. Now, you're looking at the little construction side up here. Some of you see construction. Some of you guys are like, well, somebody's doing some painting. Kind of looks unfinished. Some of you see a canvas. And I would say yes to all of it. Still under construction, there's more, there's more to do. Our mission has not come to an end. Yep, unfinished, absolutely. Still a lot of more people to reach, a lot of more people to disciple. And it is, it is a blank canvas. And God has given us the ability, as the landscape of our world has changed as we know it, God has given us the ability, by the power of his spirit, to begin to paint again. And to continue to tell the story. Now, the landscape of our city and our region has changed. We actually have declined in population, believe it or not. 2019, we're about 82, 83,000. Now, Pleasanton's about 79. People are like, we getting out of here, so expensive. But the, the Tri-Valley is about 334,000. Our city alone is about 98 to 99% unchurched or unreached or de-churched, meaning people have departed from faith. We're living in a total different paradigm. We're no longer living in a secular culture. We're living in a pagan culture. Secular culture is when people are like, yeah, we just don't want to acknowledge God or believe in God. No, we're just going to kind of do our own thing. Pagan culture is we move to worshiping a plethora of other gods. So the landscape has changed, but the gospel hasn't. The human heart hasn't. The need for God and salvation and deliverance has not changed. Our mission has not changed. The gospel is still the power of God unto salvation and does not need improvement. And God is still fully capable to deliver people today just like he did then. Our mission hasn't changed. Now, we are going to continue to go make disciples of all nations. We have about, probably more, but at least 15 to 20 different languages. We are a multi-ethnic church. That's how we started. And we will always be. This is the kingdom. And we are intergenerational. Meaning we have old folks like myself. I'm in the old category now. Or I could say the young and young at heart. We have Moses and we have Joshua. And can I just tell you, we need both. Us old people need the young people. And the young people need the older people. Are you with me? And so we are not trying to be a young church. We are trying to be the church. And this is what it looks like. And so, so with that being said, I, I have to take a moment. Jackie and I, we have been praying over this last season. And I have to look at you and just tell you, we have never loved our church. Let me rephrase that. It's his church. But we own it for ourselves, meaning this is our church. And we have never loved you more. We have never loved what God is doing more. And we are committed to seeing Christ formed in you. 
That is our heartbeat. We love you. And if God will let us die here, we'll die here. Like we're in this, we see long term. So we already kind of talked to our team a couple months, informed all our leaders kind of where we're going and what the vision is going to look like, what the landscape is going to look like, kind of what we're pursuing. But, but I felt like I got a fresh word from the Lord in tandem with this on Tuesday. One, your Bible is important. And we, we say that because it'll cause you to read places you normally don't gravitate toward. So I was in the one-year Bible, just like we tell you. I do the one-year Bible. Luke chapter 5 pops up, 4.30 in the morning. And this is it. It says, when we had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, he said, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught a thing. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. We fished all night and haven't caught a thing. And the Lord's like, yeah, there's another way. I'm going to make a way. There's some new waters. I really believe that God is calling some of you back into the waters. Off the shore, back into the boat. I know it's been tough. I know it's been hard. I know for some of us, we feel barren like we haven't caught anything in a while. But the Lord is saying, man, will you push out into deeper waters? Far from the comforts of shore. And it just reminded me that when Jackie and I first came here, it was, it was terrifying. I'm married with two kids, and we leave in three weeks. I'm like, Lord, what in the world are you doing? Like, I, so Jackie's full of faith. I was, I was scared, just to be honest with you. In my mind, I'm like, okay, God, I know you're saying this. I know you're in this. We, we don't have money. We don't have a vision. We don't have, but I know it's you. But there was no security. I was scared. I didn't know if it was going to work. Jackie and I looked at each other. We said, what can we live with? We know God won't be mad at us either way. If we stay, we know he'll still love us. But could we live with staying and not going when we feel like God is calling and always live with the wondering of what will God do? So we're like, nope, we're young enough. If we go and it blows up and it fails, we'll just do something else. We'll figure it out. And so, so we, we jumped into the deep. And I just remember in the midst of all of it, I told the Lord, as scared as I was, I never felt more alive. And I told the Lord, I never want to leave this place of dependence on you. I feel like for the first time, I was living what it means to walk by faith. I used to preach it, shout it, but now I'm actually walking in it. And I told the Lord, I never want to leave this space. And the Lord just whispered by the power of his spirit and just said, then always do something that's bigger than you. Push out. And so this word deep, it's interesting because it means depth, it means fullness, immensity, and extreme degree, profundities, hey, and deep laid plants. Now intensity, it means extremely large in size and scale or the extent of something. Profundities is deep insight, a great depth of knowledge or thought, and deep laid plans. This is the wording in the Greek. And so I just really sense that, and this will all make sense, because the word that God gave us for this year, I'm not going to have it on the screen, but I'm going to tell you, is the word maturity for our church. It's the word maturity. And Jesus was calling Peter into a greater maturity. Because what he was asking him to do was not casual. It wasn't normal. 
and it wasn't shallow. Peter fished in all those particular ways the night before. In the shallow, casual, and normal, it didn't work. Can I just tell you that the status quo moving forward today is not going to cut it? Because in Peter's day, you would catch fish in the shallow at night, not in the deep in the day. The Lord was calling him to a, a greater maturity, a, a greater trust, a greater yes. Now, let me clarify deep, because I, I really want to make sure that I'm clear. Th this profundities means deep insight, just not deep thought. Or, or deep insight, not just deep knowledge. Like, it's knowledge that leads to something transpiring. We saw that the Pharisees, a lot of times, when we think about deep and we think about knowledge, the unfortunate thing in church sometimes is, is, is really what we're looking for is a, is a dopamine fix. Pastor Matt, tell me the scripture in a way that I've never heard it. Let me be, oh, whoa, so good. That's amazing. Got my little dopamine fix. But it doesn't lead to transformation unless we take that in, allow the Lord to give us deep insight and walk and live it out. Are you with me? The Pharisees had great knowledge, but no transformation. So deep just doesn't mean, you know, just like tell me it in a deeper way. No, deep is loving your neighbor for real. Deep is really following Jesus, just not knowing how to follow Jesus. That's deep. And it's not just giftedness. That's just not deep. We can be super gifted. The Church of Corinth, super gifted. Amazing church, but they were still immature. They still had a lot of growing to do. So what, what is maturity like? Well, we, we can unpack this for a whole Sunday, and I don't have time for that. But let me just lean into to this particular text. Maturity looks like saying yes to Jesus, to following Jesus in the midst of barrenness. Because you say so, I'm ready to go. It, it means saying yes to Jesus in the midst of discomfort. Jesus in the garden, crying out to the Father. The cross is before him. The anxiety is so intense, the intensity of what's before him, the angst is so intense that his sweat becomes like drops of blood, and he cries out to the Father. He's like, man, if there's any other way, take this cup. But nevertheless, because you say so. So I, I want you to get this picture. It's saying yes to following Jesus no matter what. Now, Peter is faced with a contradiction because it's not the way he was trained. It's not the way you would normally fish on the Sea of Galilee, and everybody's watching. So the pressure is on, and Peter says, okay, it doesn't make sense. I'm, it, I don't see how it's going to play out, but because you say so. And what was the result? The result was that they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. A miracle. And I really sense what the Lord is saying, that, that this year and the years to come are going to be marked by maturity and miracles especially the greatest miracle of all is salvation. Jesus said, it's awesome that demons submit to you. Yeah, that's important. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's something to get super excited about. Casting out demons is important. God, it's all about deliverance and we're about that too. But I'm just saying that the greatest miracle of all is salvation. And so what does that look like? When you think about maturity, how do we mark that? Because vision is kind of like a mile marker. Our mission never ends. The Great Commission to go make disciples, we're going to be doing that for the rest of our life. But vision gives us some markers on the journey to know that we're paying attention to the season that we're in. Like the sons of Issachar, they knew the season they were in, so they knew how to move in the season and what God was speaking in the season. So I believe that God is calling our church, we believe God is calling our church to a season of maturity 
and miracles. And so when you think about maturity, though, what in the world? Like, how do you mark that? So what did I think about? I thought about, well, who do you, what do you say is mature, Lord? Well, Paul has this letter to Timothy that he wrote, and he talks about what does a mature overseer in the church look like? And so you can see that an overseer must be above reproach, husband of one wife. Hello, somebody. That's great. It's a great idea. Sober-minded. Self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. And it goes on to say a couple other things, but I didn't have space. Now, there's, there's so many of these that get a lot of attention. But there's one that I rarely hear anybody talk about, preach about, but I think is one of the secret sauces to our church a unique quality and characteristic of our church that has impacted so many people's lives, and it's hospitable. You know, the thing about being hospitable or hospitality is probably the most uncomfortable one on the list because you have to get outside of you. It's probably the most uncomfortable one. And so what we see, though, is, is hospitality is a mark of maturity. Let me say it like this. Hospitality is an overflow of a mature life in Christ. A hospitality overflow. Hospitality overflow. It's, it's, it's a picture of a mature life in Christ. It's, it's a marker of a mature life in Christ. You say, well, what in the world? Like hospitality, what, what, is that, what does that mean? Well, let me, let me give you a picture. We're going to talk about a maturity marked by hospitality. Now, if you see the root word here is hospice, where we get the word hospital. Hospitality means to welcome the stranger. A lot of times, I think hospitality has been hijacked by the world. I was driving home from Tahoe, and I saw the billboard, a billboard that said the height of hospitality, and it had a drink and a hotel bed. I was like, man, listen, hospitality, is it changing the sheets and refilling the glass? Absolutely. But it's so much more. It's the motive and the heart behind. It's welcoming the stranger. In the Latin, it means a guest chamber. Can I just tell you that the stranger, there's some strangers in our church that they're not connected. And then there are also strangers that are out there far from God. I think in our day, hospitality has been reduced to entertainment and lacks evangelism. Lacks really welcoming the stranger into an incredible Christ-centered environment. So I, like, for, for example, when you go to a hospital, normally you go to the hospital because you're trying to get some help. You, you want to understand, like, we get nervous when we go because it's a little awkward. We're like, yeah, you know, I'm not feeling well. And, and you just want to make sure that your doctors are good. Nurses know what they're doing. The techs are bringing the right tools. You don't want to talk to a doctor. He's like, man, I'm... I'm really not a doctor, but I'd love to check you out. Like, well, what do you mean? Where am I at? <laughs> we, 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 we know that. I went to the dentist to get a filling. Wasn't my normal dentist. The guy came in. He looked like he was 12. In my mind, and I asked him, I'm like, dude, did you graduate like last week? Or do you know what you're doing? We're joking. We're having fun. He's like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Well, it's really not good because I need a crown on that same tooth. Um, but we, we, want to understand the, the, we want to understand that people 
in that environment know what they're doing, right? Like, like for instance, I went shark diving in, uh, in Mexico, and I had to get a COVID test, so they drove us down. It was nighttime in Ensenada before we got on the boat. It was me and my buddy and the driver, and we're going down, like, these back alleys. And in my mind, I'm like, okay. No big deal. And we pull up to the hospital, and the hospital is under construction. And so it just doesn't look exciting. And it was nighttime. It was damp. There were, like, construction lights everywhere, and it looked like all the lights were off. I'm like, are you sure somebody's here, man? And so in my mind, you know, because maybe the way I grew up a little bit, I'm like, I think they're setting us up. (laughs) My wife will kill me if I die in Mexico. So if anything happens, I told my buddy, I'm going to jump in the driver's seat. We're going to take this car. We're going to find our way home. No joke. We're having these conversations. And, uh, and so we, we, we get down into the, to the, we walk down these steps. Everything is damp, and it just does not look like a hospital. All of a sudden, a light turns on. Girl opens the door. Hola. It was like the best experience ever. Best experience ever. I thought, man, that's probably how people feel when they come to our church. They kind of look outside. They're like, mm, I mean, the building is kind of small. I mean, do they even have a coffee maker at this church? You know what I mean? But then they get in, and it's like, oh, my God is in this place. And so we're not like fighting. Listen, in our building, in our setting, we're not fighting for aesthetics, y'all. We're just not. We want it to be real that people are really encountering and experiencing real people who are really following Jesus. That as a stranger comes in, they're like, what is is this? Not like, oh, what is this? Like, we don't want people coming in and people are, you know, gossiping, backbiting, rude, cliquish, living in sin, sexual sin, no, I expect that from the world, but not from the church. Now, listen, if, if you're living in sin right now, you know we're all in progress. Make sure you let us know so we can help you. We want God's best for you. But what I'm saying is that the church, we should always be moving toward maturity. That when people step in, it's like, yeah, we're not perfect, but we're maturing. God is changing. God is transforming us. We're still wrestling through stuff. We're still broken just like everybody else, but it's real. It's really happening. So what does that look like? What type of environment do we want to welcome the stranger into? I would say Acts chapter 2 environment. The early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. One of the most exciting moments of our Equip Multiply discipleship group this year. Sitting around, we're looking and we ask the question, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Follow Jesus. And again, we just be so surprised, like I said, of how many of us know how to follow Jesus. We just don't really follow him. And so they weren't just devoted to teaching and just gaining. No, they, the teaching was penetrating their hearts because God's word is alive and active. They took it seriously. They're like, man, let's go. We're running with this. This word devoted, it means to continue to do something with intense effort, despite difficulty, devoting oneself to keep on and to persist in. And then they were devoted to the apostles' teaching to fellowship, meaning there was real partnership with Christ and with the church. It was koinonia. Like, like we're, we're really walking together. 
in Christ. It's Christ-centered. And we're partnering together. Like, I want to see God's very best in your life. I want to be a source of encouragement. I want to spur you on to righteous living. I want you to grow more intimate and understand who you are in Christ. And it's real camaraderie. It's real partnership in the gospel. It's not, it's not just hanging out like, hey, man, how you doing? No, it's like, hey, can I be honest with you? It's like, hey, can I celebrate that with you? It's amazing. It's a real relationship. It's a real community. It's real life. And then it says they were the breaking of bread, even the Lord's Supper. Probably the best retreat we've ever had as a staff was an overnight retreat where we sat at a table. We had some food, took communion, and we asked one question to our whole team. What is one vulnerable thing that God is working on your heart right now? And we laughed, we cried, we prayed, and we sat at the table for like two, three hours. Best retreat ever really believe God wants us to start incorporating the table back into things. That when we gather, it's, we're also gathering around the bread and the body. We're remembering. Because one of the things that does, you got to examine your heart. Keeps our hearts pure, right before the Lord with one another. There's accountability and they're celebrating. We're feasting. We're building real friendships. Of people that want to see God's best. And then to prayer. And we're going to talk about this. I'm going to do a whole series on this uh, after Easter. So just bear with me. I'm giving you a 30,000 foot view. But they devoted themselves to prayer, and we have continued to take a posture of this. We do fasting and prayer for the first three days of every month. We pray every Thursday morning uh, on Zoom or contending and, 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 and digging wells. It's not popular. It, it's, it's, sometimes it may not feel fun, but we're digging, and we're standing, and we're believing, and we're trusting that, again, we're, we're digging wells. And so, but we're going to continue to do this, and I believe that God wants us to see, as Jackie and I have been talking, 200 intercessors over the next year. It's not going to be organized, not going to be just me. No, we're going to, you just commit to praying and we're going to send you the, the data. Send you an email, pray. Pray. And let's begin to, to, to really cover these things in prayer. This is what they were devoted to and look what happened. Look at the environment. It says that people were filled with awe. They were not filled with awe with, about their buildings, their programs or man's ability. You know what the awe was from? was a, the supernatural character of the life of the church. It was like, God is really here. There's a reverence like, he's for real? What in the world? And then what? Many signs and wonders were performed by the apostles, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. Miracles were happening. People were like, what is happening? What's going on? They had everything in common. There was a deep unity. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. And this wasn't communism. Like, it was voluntarily. Like, hey, I, God is moving in my life. I see you're struggling. I'm in with you. Like, this is great. They were sharing and selling and sharing, and there was glad and sincere hearts. They met together in the temple courts. Can I just say, can I encourage you? get this like all the time as a church, or I, get, I hear this all the time as a pastor, and can I just encourage you to make showing up here a priority? And I'm going to talk about the building in just a little bit, and I'm going to break some things down. This building is not e eternal, but what happens in this is. 
And I'm just telling you, we have to reprioritize some things. They weren't just going to the temple. I mean, they were going to synagogues, what? To also share the gospel. To connect with people that did not know Jesus yet. They were proclaiming the good news of Jesus in the temples from the synagogues. They would go for the time of prayer. We see this all throughout the book of Acts. So there's something special about us gathering together. So don't get me preaching on that because we'll go down a whole different road. But what I will say, what I will say is they did not neglect that. And and then then it says that they broke bread in their homes, so they're doing life together. Like they had small groups, so small group model is not Fountain's idea. This is the early church's idea. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. You want to know what this word sincere means? In the Greek, it means simplicity. It means to be free of rocks. Meaning there weren't stones of selfishness. It was all about like God, like we're moving as one. And then what? Man, there's joy. They're praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Even people outside of the church, they were experiencing great persecution, but they're also experiencing great favor. Because people were like, you guys are really loving people right. Like, this is really for real. Not a fake love, a biblical love. One that's moving somebody closer to God, to righteousness and truth. It's like, what is happening here? So the early church, oh, and then it says the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. The Lord said, I can trust that environment with a stranger. Sometimes I think, like, we, we have forgotten. It's not just about welcoming the strangers, what we're welcoming them into. Is it mature, supernatural in nature? Is it real? Is God present? It's important. So so the early church was marked by awe, miracles. They were generous, joyful, attractive, unified, and growing. Not perfecting, but maturing. So what are you saying, Pastor Man? I'm saying that true evangelism flows from the life of a healthy church hospitality has to be an overflow from the life of God and the Holy Spirit operating in and through us. Not just trying to like do it on the outside, but it's really not real on the inside. That will last for a while, but people know. Well, how do we do that? Acts chapter two. We develop these rhythms in every environment that we have, devoted to the apostles' teaching, to breaking the bread, to prayer, to fellowship. And and, and we, we push that into deeper waters. You say, well, are we doing that now? Yes, but there's more. And I believe that there's some key things that God wants to to do in and through us. So you say, well, how do we do it? How do we have a hospitality overflow? Acts chapter 2. What is it? It's H2O. It's streams of living water, deeper waters, rivers in the wasteland. He's making a way. Do you see it? Can you not perceive? But the question is this, when people stand next to you this year, what will they experience? Will they be able to see? Because I tell you what, those standing next to Peter experienced a miracle because of his yes. Because he said, I'm, we're barren. We just cleaned up everything. But because you say so. And a miracle happened. And Peter's like, hey, come be a part. There's more. You remember the, the, the uh, Elisha's servant. There was a moment when they were surrounded by an army. Please lean into this. The servant looked at Elisha and said, we're surrounded. We're in trouble. 
And Elisha said, oh, Lord, would you open his eyes? And when he, the Lord opened his eyes, he saw the Lord's army surrounding the current army. Elisha's like, bro, we're not outnumbered. Just not seeing right. When people get next to you, what will they see? What will they see? Will they be able to see that even though there's a barren place with no fish, even though it looks like we're surrounded by an army, when the supernatural becomes central, it puts things perspective in the natural. Supernatural is not spooky. It's not weird. It's real. And so when, when people stand next to you, are they going to be able to see Jesus clearly? Understand and be able to imitate what it looks like to love him deeply and what it really looks like to follow him. That's the call. What do they see? So I'll tell you what. When we talk about vision, we're, we have a lot of things that we're moving toward as a church. But this is our few focal points over this next season that will carry us not just this year but beyond. I believe we'll mark our church for the years and the days ahead. And I'm not going to belabor it. I'm just going to get right to the point is we're going to continue to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And we have a unique call here at our church. We do. Uh, every church has a unique call. And... One of the convictions that we have is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We no longer, like I said, live in a secular culture, but a pagan culture. We have a lot of believers. I talk to my friends all the time in Alabama. They can have somebody lead a small group super easily because there's a biblical context. We get, people, we get small group leaders. They're like, man, we're, we have great small group leaders. Don't get me wrong. I'm like, but I'm saying over the years, what we've experienced is like, man, there's a lot of people that are theologically don't understand how to navigate there. And they're great relationally, and they're great facilitating, but we want, we want to equip people for the work of the ministry. And so we want to keep, you know, providing environments and, and equip opportunities for both equipping and encountering truth and power. Like I talked about a couple weeks ago, those things are not in competition with one another. We, we need both. Like we see it right here. Maturity and miracles. We need both. So we want to continue to equip the saints to welcome the stranger into an Acts 2 environment. They experience the supernatural life, the reality of the presence of God. So we're going to continue to invest in all of our leaders and teams and our small groups in a greater way and tenacity. We're going to have equip nights. We already have equip groups. We're going to make those a little bit more robust in specific areas of training and equipping. We're going to have equip nights in between our small group semesters for the very same thing, for both equipping and encountering. Sometimes, listen, when we just have a, a night where we're coming to pray and worship, show up. She never know what one moment. But can I just tell you, God's presence isn't just there. It's just as, he's just as present as when we're opening up his word and equipping and teaching you theology. Like we're seeing this across the board. 
And so, so what am I saying? We want to also provide, we know that people are, we live in a new landscape, a digital age, and we want to continue to resource you with training on the go. That won't cut it, but it's a supplement. It's like a vitamin that we can help equip you and resource you and be able to bring some ministers and areas and, and people that have certain gift sets to equip during these times. So I just really want you to hear my heart. We, we want to have a church that's really following Jesus. Deeper waters. We want to invest in men and women in a fresh way. God has really put men in my heart over this next year. So guys, right, let's go. The second thing is this, and, and I, I, I'm giving you a 30,000 foot view. I can't go into every detail, but I'm just saying, I want you to catch the heart because I'm running out of time. Second thing is this, is we're going to expand our facility to welcome more strangers, to welcome more people. So we've already pretty much, you can see, we started here. The platform was there. Right where those poles were, there was a wall, and that was, each one of those areas was a classroom. This is where we started. And then we blew out a wall that was right there, and then we put the platform right here, which is here. I'm sorry, which is here. And then we blew out that wall, which is here. And then we blew out another wall, which is there. So we've expanded our space here as much as we can, but there's one more wall. And once we blow this thing out and we get the suite on the other side, it's going to be awesome. And we're going to be able to put the word, the platform that will face this way. And again, can I just tell you, buildings are not eternal, but what happens inside of them is, can I just tell you, last week, last week, I want you to know what God is doing here. Last week, a couple came up and they, they showed me a picture of their niece. They said, we just want you to know that we invited my brother and my sister here. They sat through a service, they wept. They came up for prayer. They decided to get an abortion, but when they left here, they decided they weren't. Here's my niece. Look what God has done. That's amazing. Building is not eternal. But what happens inside this building, it is. And I believe that the expansion of our building is just going to be a prophetic picture of a greater extension in our city. Truth of the matter is, our city really doesn't know us. It's kind of embarrassing. But they need to. Like, if we were to shut our doors, our city should cry and be like, oh, my goodness, what in the world? So I believe our expansion here is going to, is going to matter. This is what it will look like on the other side. Blow out this wall. This is the front of the building. And the reality is this campuses is our dream. So let me tell you the numbers and the data really, really fast, and I'm, I'm going to wrap it up, I promise, quickly. We, we owe about 1.1 million. Um, we owe about 600,000 on this, on these, it's actually four suites. We have about 800,000 in equity. We purchased a building last year for 500,000. So we have our notes about 1.1. Plus we lease out one, two, two buildings upstairs, which one of them right above here, we have the opportunity to buy. This one we have the opportunity to buy. This whole thing used to be a church, the whole building. And we've been taking it back piece by piece, brick by brick. It's just a lot more expensive now. So I, I, I would love, that we wipe off that note and then we do the next layer of building. This suite over here, we can't buy for like six years, but we can lease it for like six grand a month. We have contractors and businesses 
in our church that are like, man, we'll blow this thing out. We'll do, we can get it done. And then we start taking more territory upstairs. We buy these two suites and we just go for it. So I'm just gonna be bold to ask, listen, we will, our vision will only move at the pace of your generosity. We're never gonna pressure. We're not gonna, I don't, I'm not a great fundraiser. I don't feel called to do that. I feel called to pastor. There's nothing wrong with fundraising, but I'm just gonna put the vision before you and let God speak to you. And we'll move as fast as God allows us to. But I want you to see it. Like our template here, we don't, the big dream was not never just here. It was that we would be multi-site, that we would have multi-campuses. Can I just tell you, not because we want a platform, not because we want to be popular. That stuff is hard work. One location, two locations, manageable. Three, four, it's hard work. But the landscape has changed. People don't travel as far anymore to church. People used to commute like 45 minutes. Now it's like after COVID, it's like, ah. Uh, it's a, it's a little bit harder, which I don't think is a bad thing. I think it's cool to, to be able to plant multiple campuses in different regions and areas, and our template is very affordable. We're not living for our building, just like we don't want to live for a home, right? Put all your money in the house, like, man, we can't even survive. We don't want to do that. We want to put the, the resources into the kingdom, but what I'm saying is our, our print here, our template, it's, it's easy to replicate, but we're never going to lack opportunity, but we will always a lack of leaders. So we've got to continue to raise up Acts 2 leaders that are mature and can navigate to welcome more strangers in. Are, are you with me on that? And so, so that's the dream. We were almost there in 2019. We said when we get to 700 people, it's a good base. We're going to do a campus. Almost there in 2019, and then boom, we started all over again. So it's like, okay, I feel like the Lord is saying, will you go out with me one more time? Push out a little bit further. Let down your nets. Just believe God wants to do it again. Yeah. Lastly is this, is we are radically going to go after the next generation this year. Yeah. Radically. Wow, like, like five of you are excited. Cool. <laughs> Let me tell you, this is my last thing. The next generation is becoming a stranger to the church. It's, it's reality. We, we, we can't be behind the curve. And as a church as a whole, can I just tell you, the world is going after our kids way more than any, anybody else. And so this is not like a cute vision for our youth, our youth group. No, this is a vision of our church. We need the young and the old working together. Like we, we do. I was like a golf clap, but it's good. I'll take it. We need the young and old working together. We have to equip them, and they have to encounter Jesus. I'm just, I'm just telling you, they're encountering everything else. We got to fight for them. So let me, give you, let me give you the context of this. So this is my daughter, and this is some of your kids, and Christine, one of our leaders. There you are. Where you at, Christine? There you are. Took our students to a conference. And he's... You got to understand, it was the busiest week. Traveled all that week. Came home, somebody asked me, like, why did you bring your kid here? I'm like, because I want my kid in these environments. We're driving home. It was late. It was tired. I said, babe, how? And I asked my daughter permission to share this. She said, yeah. I was like, man, how do you, uh, how, what did God say to you? Like, what do you, she's like, dad, I will never get mad at you for going to a conference ever again. She's like, I needed this. She's got a boatload of notes. She said, you know, I know we're in church all the time. I know 
like you and mom were always pointing us to Jesus, but she said, I just felt like for whatever reason I was drifting a little bit. So I recommitted my heart tonight, and I encountered Jesus in a way tonight that I've never encountered him before. And, and, and then, and so she was like, you could just tell there was a deep impression, and I've watched the fruit on the other side of it. And then she told me this, I like black preachers. Because uh, a friend of mine was preaching. She's like, I was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> and so, so I say all that to say is, listen, we have to prioritize this. Just, just like a youth night a week is, is not going to be enough. We have to equip families. We have to make sure marriages are healthy. We have to make sure that we're ministering to like the single mom and the single dad. Like we need to figure out how to come around them. So this is a long-term picture. We're not going to solve all of this in a year. I just want you to catch the heart. This will be the trajectory of our church. Like we will be moving. You're like, what about the older people? You're not going to be neglected. We need you. And, and listen, we are even talking about providing even more care when there's surgeries, when there's, you know, difficulties, when there's different things like that, and more hills for you to take. Caleb was taking hills at 80 years old. So don't let the devil lie to you. Let's go out one more time. Deeper waters. We gotta create pathways for our students to be equipped and encounter Jesus. I'm just telling you, it's not gonna be once in a while. We need to create environments, acts to environments for our kids. I think one of those things is to get them outside of themselves. We're, our partnership with Children's Cup, I, wanna, I want our students to go on mission. We, we partner with Children's Cup in Progressive Mexico. We're, we're sponsoring students. We just had a huge breakthrough um, a couple weeks ago. You're going to hear way more about Children's Cup, but we, we're providing the gospel aid, care, all that stuff on the ground. I, I got, uh, I was talking with one of the leaders there recently, and she's like, dude, you'll never guess what happened. She said, one of the gang leaders in our area showed up to our care point, and he said, who's in charge? And you know, there's a lot of cartel and different things, and if you go on a mission with us, you're going to be safe. It's going to be fine. Don't worry. And we even got some protection now, so this is what he said. He said, where's all the, show me everything. Point out everything that's yours here. First, he asked who was in charge, and she's, you know, a young lady. She was like, me? And he said, you can go anywhere you want in this city. Do whatever you want. Preach whatever you want. Go wherever you want. No one's going to touch your stuff. Because his daughter and his family are being ministered to at the care point. It's changing the landscape of their home. But could you imagine, like, our students sponsoring other students that they're going to visit? that they're investing their own money and resources for students that have far less than them to get an education, to get the gospel, to get food, to get, could you imagine that partnership? I'm just telling you, ladies and gentlemen, we, we gotta get them. And we're gonna go after them like no holes barred and it's an all play. It's an all play. You stand to your feet. I'm gonna pray for us. I'm out of time. Thank you for your, letting me go a couple minutes over. But I just want to ask you to begin to pray. Let God awaken you again. Let God put a fresh dream in your heart. I know we'll never be a perfect church, but we want to be a healthy church. We want you to grow. We want to see Christ formed in you. We're not here to entertain. We're not here to try. I mean, look at, like all, like out of, let me just say this. Hospitality is not like the, the most trendiest vision right now. I feel like it's going to move us into a new space of maturity as a church. It's going to force us 
to mature personally so that we can welcome the stranger into environments where the Holy Spirit has free reign to transform and the gospel's being preached. So Lord, would you just, it's not by might or by strength. It's H2O. There's no natural relief or resource. It's got to come by your spirit. So Lord, we just surrender to you today. We believe this is what you put in our hearts. And we lay it back into your hands, into your lap to say, God, as, as we move forward, we trust that you're going to provide. We trust that you're going to sh- reveal, you're going to show us. Even as you showed Joshua how to take Jericho, it was a supernatural revelation. And we need the same thing here. We need a supernatural move, Lord, in our hearts, in our church, in our city, in this region, and in the next generation. And so, Lord, would you do it? Do it again, Lord. Would you renew, would you revive, or would you awaken our hearts, this city, and this region to the reality and the beauty of Jesus? That our church would be a stream and a river and wasteland. But we look to you. Listen, if you need to get right with the Lord today, if you're just like, man, I was busy today, I didn't even know what I just got hit with, we'd love to pray with you. If you've been far from God, welcome home. You have a place here. But we'd love to pray with you and for you. So our prayer team's going to be up here right after service. I'll be down here. And we just love to pray with you. If you have any prayer requests, if you're sick in your body, going through a diff- difficult time, if you're struggling in your mind, we'd love to pray with you. If there's any prayer request or need, let us pray with you. Maybe you, we had tons of people last service just came up because they're praying for other people. So if you have other people you, that you need to be standing in the gap for and praying for, let us pray with you. Lord, would you seal this in our hearts? In Jesus' name. Thank you again for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast, where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.